Somehow over the course of this movie, the Ewoks start speaking English. It starts with a few words, like they learn how to say crash and star cruiser. And then you heard part of it in that trailer. He's like, we help you. Like, like it's like, wait, what? <laughs> Full yes. sentences. What is going on? Boy, do we have an adventure that we are going to take you on this week. Welcome to the Dagobah Dispatch. I am Dalton Ross, and let me just say, you have been warned. Because in just a minute, my co-hosts, Devin Kogan and Lauren Morgan, are going to join me, and we are going to do a deep dive, for better or for worse, into a Star Wars movie that you probably haven't seen. And if you have seen it, you probably wish you hadn't. I'm talking about Caravan of Courage, colon, an Ewok adventure. I would say that we're going to tell you everything you need to know about this 1980s TV movie, but the truth is you don't need to know anything about it. In fact, the less you know about it, the better, but we're going to get all up into it anyway, because that's how we roll. We also have one of the stars of the film, Warwick Davis, who's going to join us along with the cast of the new Willow reboot. Devin spoke to them out at Star Wars Celebration, so we have that interview for you as well. So much to get to, and there ain't nothing to it but to do it. So let's get to it and wish a hearty yub-nub to the self-proclaimed Dagobah Dames, Devin and Lauren. <laughs> What's going on? Yub-nub indeed, and a, yub and a good yub-nub to you too. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's good to be back, uh, especially after being disinvited to last week's episode. Oh, you could have come that's on right. and wanted that's to. Exactly, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. I'll present- we said you could come on. Yeah, it's So what happened was I thought I'd be away last week. And then it turned out I wasn't going to be away. So I, I, I slacked the group. I'm like, hey, great news. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to be around next week and do the podcast. And I think it, I think it was Sammy who's just like, yeah, I think we're all good. Like, I we got Maureen coming on. We're going to talk about the princess and the scoundrel. Uh, and I think we're set. And I was like, oh, uh, uh, cool. All right. Yeah, cool. And then I listened to the podcast and you guys are hashtagging yourselves. Dagobah dames. I felt like so left out. Um, but it was at the same time a great episode. Never should listen to it. It's super fun. But I'm hurt. But I'm hurt. Look, we what what are your tell us your thoughts on the princess and the scoundrel? Yeah, we, did we, you, read you know? It? Yeah. So my my well, no, my son's not listening to this. My son gave me a really <laughs> long, really boring book, and uh, it's like a thousand pages, and was really slow, and it's like just good enough, and it's given to you by your son, so you can't quit it. But yeah. it's not good enough that you're going to read it quickly. Like, it's just you find anything. Oh, I think mm-hmm. I need to watch some more episodes of this canceled reality show from 2007. And so you end up just doing anything but reading that book. And you can see my bookmark. <laughs> I'm almost, I got that much left. But I haven't gotten to Princess and the Scoundrel yet. But after that rave review, I mean, I thought it was a good review. It was like not what you're expecting review, but still good. Right, Lauren? 
Yeah, I, that's what I, you know, because I, I finished it in a couple of, I uh, interrupted the other Star Wars book I was reading because I'm a nerd. I was in the middle Classic of Padawan and I, and I stopped that one and I started reading The Princess and the Scoundrel. And yeah, it wasn't uh, the romance novel you thought you were getting, but it was a pretty interesting novel, I would say. So, you know, worthwhile if you're interested in Princess Leia and Han Solo. Well, we might have something on that on EW.com next week. little tease, mm-hmm. a little more Princess and the Scoundrel. I mean, it really should have been Princess and the Scruffy Nerf Herder, but I guess we'll let that. It's a little long for SEO purposes. Yeah. You know, you yeah. should keep it down. It's a funnier title, but maybe not quite a romantic one. Uh, yeah, maybe you're right. Uh, very romantic looking book cover art, though. I'll say that. Um, hey, before we get to all the nonsense that we are going to get to, and trust me, there's just so much nonsense heading your way. Uh, quick shout out. We got a, a really nice review on the old Apple podcast review from Lady Vendetta Angel. Is that the best name or what? Lady, not just Lady Vendetta or Lady Angel, Lady Vendetta Angel. She sounds like a cool bounty hunter. I know. Yeah. She wrote, I didn't realize how much I needed this in my life. This is the GOAT. Great interviews and updates. Thanks for all you do. Keep up the awesome work. Till the Spire, which I guess is a Galaxy's Edge thing, which I've not been to Galaxy's Edge, so. Neither have I. <gasps> you guys got to come to LA. The The podcast goes to, to Galaxy's Edge. It's super fun. Well, the I company do, paid for me that. to go to Galaxy's Edge. That is my question. Uh, I don't know, but I can drive us. Anaheim's not too far. I'll, we can all pile into my RAV4 and, and head to Anaheim. I will, first off, love a RAV4. Uh, secondly, Devin, I have thought of this. You know, back when I was on SiriusXM, at one point, we recorded a bunch of shows from Universal Studios when they were doing their mm-hmm. Halloween Horror Nights. Oh. Uh, and it was super fun. So I have thought of this, that like, oh my God, we should record <laughs> an episode at Galaxy's Edge. That would be super fun. So maybe in our future, that'll happen. Let's make that happen. Uh, all right. I hesitate to ask the question, but should we talk some Ewoks? Let's let's talk Ewoks. (laughs) So this is my fault. Uh, I thought it'd be fun to do some episodes on these 1980s Ewok movies that came out. And for those of you that don't know, there were two Ewok movies that came out on ABC. The first one aired on November 25th, 1984. It was called The Ewok Adventure, but then like depending on where and when you watched it, it may have gone under the title of Caravan of Courage, colon, and Ewok Adventure, which is the way it reads now on Disney+. Plus. So, you know, in the grand tradition of like changing things, going back and Lucasfilm changed things, they changed the title. They probably should have changed some other things about this movie. (laughs) Um, So... Let me just give you a really like just super duper brief sort of explanation of the setup of the movie, and then we'll play you a, a part of the trailer, and then we'll get into it. Um, we watched it, so you don't have to. All right. So basically, the movie, the story is is a star cruiser crashes on the forest moon of Endor, the same one you see in Return of the Jedi, and these two parents get separated from their teenage son Mace. And precursor to Mace Windu, I guess, but not the same character. Definitely not the same character. Definitely and uh, not. his little sister, Sindel, who's wearing like a disco space jumpsuit or something. So they get separated. The kids get taken in by the Ewoks. They learn their parents are being held prisoner by an evil giant monster named Gorax. 
and for reasons that are never really explained. So the kids go on a mission with their new furry friends to save them. Uh, that may not sound exciting, but let's listen to a little clip from the trailer to really get those juices flowing. Here you go. In a galaxy far, far away, a brother and sister search for their missing parents. How are we going to find them? We will. Don't worry. And fate leads them to the magical Ewoks. We help you. Now, a great adventure begins. It's an action-packed motion picture featuring incredible special effects from the award-winning team of Industrial Light and Magic. That's Mommy and Daddy. Sometimes when you search for the impossible, an unbelievable adventure unfolds. I wish we had furry creatures like you where I came from. Don't miss The Ewok Adventure. Now on video cassette from MGMUA Home Video. Yeah, so uh, that's the trailer for the VHS release uh, of wow. Ewok Adventure. Um, so we've set the table. Now let's toss everything off the table. Uh, here's my here's my biggest issue with this film, and I want to hear from you all. We have not spoken. I told them I didn't want to. I didn't want to get hear anything from you about your thoughts on this film. I don't want you to hear anything from me. We want to go into it cold. So I have no idea what Lauren and Devin think of this film. But my biggest problem with the Caravan of Courage, and that's saying something, is that the lead character, this kid Mace is just a total jerky McJerk face. He comes <laughs> in, he starts blasting at the Ewoks when they're helping his sister. He then like all the, the Ewoks are like, going to risk their lives to like try and find this insufferable kid's parents. And he's all pissed that he didn't get a great totem. Like they got totems. He never thanks them for giving them food and medicine. Instead, he just demands more medicine he like, like they give him this rock. It's a magic. He throws it down. It's a stupid rock. Like I get, you know, teenagers are teenagers and I feel s- terrible saying this, but like, I wanted to murder him for every <laughs> single second that I watched this movie. I hated him so much and I got so angry. Lauren, calm me down. Um, c- Considering I think I am, Devin, you've never seen this before. Have you? I had seen bits and pieces of this, but I'd never sat down and watched the whole thing all the way through because I am I'm a 90s baby. So this was before my time, but it was an experience. I am pretty certain that I probably saw the original broadcast of this in 1984. And I've also seen the Battle of Endor, which we'll get to some other time. But um, so it was interesting for me to watch it of just having childhood memories of Basically, just Ewoks. I don't didn't remember the brother that much, but I definitely remembered Sindel because, you know, in my Northeast uh, Philadelphia video store, this was really one of the only options you could pick for children. So I've seen I've seen these Ewok movies more than once. So this was kind of a, a walk down memory lane for him. But the the boy uh, Mace. He is just a complete jerk. He like, and he kind of looked like it looked like they kind of cast him to look a little bit like Mark Hamill. Yeah, yes, he, he did look. He did look a little bit like he could have been Mark Hamill's like son or like you know nephew or something like that. Um, 
<laughs> that was my first thought. He's he's also wearing like a he's also wearing like an like an, an a pseudo X wing pilot. Like it's yeah, not an X wing uniform. Really make any sense? Yeah, he's not a pilot. Because his sister looks like she's gonna go to a space disco, and he yeah. looks like he's about to get into an X wing. Besides the Ewok, the really the vibe that this whole Enterprise gave off to me was a lost episode of Buck Rogers in the 21st Century, which I'm not sure if you've ever seen, Devin, but I watched a lot as a child of the 80s. I'm not sure if you've watched it in Dalton either. It's also but. like Land of the Lost, right? Like the old yeah, Sid and Marty like Croft, that. Land of the Lost. It reminded me most of like old 70s Doctor Who serials, like the yeah, level yeah. of um, like special effects and things like that. If you've never watched Buck Rogers, it really does give off a Buck Rogers vibe and also like just the settings. And it was like, you could kind of tell that the Ewoks, they took the background Ewoks, like Wicket looks normal. And there was a couple of other think people who had like they must have had close ups in Return of the Jedi since they were good. But then they took some other Ewoks who didn't really get the facial definition that they they looked like the Ewoks we saw in the Fan Strikes Back exhibit. <laughs> so I was like, maybe I shouldn't have been so cruel to that. But but yeah, it was um interesting uh an interesting uh trip down memory lane. Yeah, and those those Ewoks. I mean, well, you know what? We'll save that. We'll talk about special effects in in a little bit. Devin, what mm-hmm. was your Devin? I was like you. It's funny because Lauren was the Goldilocks. Like she was just at the proper age. Well, I was like just slightly too old. Like I was yeah. 13 when this came out. I was like, I'm not watching some BS like TV kids movies on the Ewoks. And you, you weren't around, but Lauren was I, like right there. Like yeah, right in I that was sweet in, spot. I was in prime, uh, prime. I was on the right side of the Ewok line. I was six years old. So this was like Ewoks. Sure. Why not? Give me more Ewoks. You know, this was a wild adventure uh, all the way through. I will say I, I wanted it to be entertaining bad and instead it was just boring bad. You know how some like movies, like they walk that line where you're like, oh, there's the, when it's so bad, it's good. Mm-hmm. And this doesn't quite get there to me, but there's just so many weird decisions and like weird things about this. I had no idea yes. that Burl Ives narrates <laughs> it. I was like, uh, okay, Sam, the snowman Rudolph. from, uh, Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer. I would watch that, that spinoff or that crossover episode. I'm clear, by the way, Devin, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that they basically had a cut of the movie and they're like, what the F does this even mean? Like, what is happening? Like, yeah, we need to put a narration on this. I'm sure that was like a post-production but decision. Like, why Burl? Because Rudolph. Why Burl? Because he did it for Rudolph. Of everyone. Did it for Rudolph. Like, it worked on Rudolph. <laughs> but literally when it's, when it started, I was like, is that Burl yeah, Ives? And I had to go like, and then it came up on the title card and I was like, that's just a weird choice. He's got such a distinctive voice. No, mm-hmm. yeah, this is a deeply, deeply weird film. A lot of it, there's very little dialogue, and most of the dialogue is just Mace or Sindel being like, what's going on? What's over there? You know, it's like very, there's very little happening. And I also, just like as a, I, as a general rule, I have very low tolerance for like stories about precocious children, like precocious actor children. I just, it, it doesn't, it just, they, something about them like grates me the wrong way. And so this was, this was not a, a film for me. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of like, it's a lot of pantomime. It's a lot of the Ewoks talking among themselves for like long periods of time. Um, didn't realize like the Ewoks basically yeah, speak let's English get into that. or speak yeah. basic, let, let, I guess. Let's talk, let's let that's <laughs> by the end yeah. of the film. Like what is, like somehow over the course of this movie, the Ewoks start speaking English. Like it starts with a few words, like they learn how to say crash and star cruiser. And then you heard part of it in that trailer. It's like, we help you. Like, like it's like, wait, what? <laughs> Full yes. sentences. <laughs> what is going on? Like, how did this happen? And then spoiler alert at the end, 
the lumberjack Ewok. And yes, there is a lumberjack Ewok. It's kind of like the Smurfs. <laughs> they have all the different personnel. And the lumberjack Ewok, he's dying. And it's like his final breath is like, friend. I'm like, come on. <laughs> How does that happen? Why are they talking, Lauren? Oh, Why are they talking? I, I guess they, they really were trying to pitch it to the six-year-old who, uh, you know, in 1984, who just, you know, they didn't want to pay for captioning, I guess. that That's my other answer. <laughs> they didn't want to pay the money for captioning because they didn't seem to put a lot of money towards this. This seemed very kind of, we're going to uh, just find someplace outside of the, the studio and go shoot it like for three days or something. Like it didn't look that. That was the other thing is the, um, the locations were like hilarious to me because they just look like generic California. California. The thing about, right. The thing about Endor is yes, it is California, but it's, you know, specifically the Redwood forest, which just have sort of an otherworldly kind of feel Mm -hmm. to it. They dressed it very well. You know, it like, it definitely works for this forest moon, but then they're just like in a random field. And again, it just like, you you can imagine like John Wayne or somebody like riding on a horse because it's a, a, you know, a place where they shot some, you know, B movie western. It's they were just like, yeah, sure. Here's a field. We'll stick. It some looked like they didn't it. get the permit to shoot in the redwood forest, so you'd be like, you can go shoot like near the parking lot or something. Like, there's some trees get, over there. Oh yeah, the trees. Yeah, that's there's some pine trees it over there. Definitely look like I'm probably the only person that ever watched the um, the uh, Planet of the Apes TV series. Uh, there was one. Uh, one season, and th- I swear it's like they all the exact same like locations as Planet of the Apes, not the movie, the TV series. I noticed that as well, Devin. I was like, this does not look like Endor. Like, it is just not. Can we also just talk about the fact that if we're talking about continuity, you know, okay, so the Ewoks are speaking English. It's also weird because did you notice that that little son of a bitch Mace? Uh, keeps talking about his gun. Like it's, it never calls it his blaster. He literally says, as soon as I get my gun, I'm like, they don't use the word gun in star Wars. I don't think, do they? I mean, it's always blaster. And he keeps calling his blaster a gun. And I'm like, is George Luke? I mean, he wrote the story. He gets a story credit. Was no one checking this? Was there no quality control? Like this doesn't work. We don't call these things guns. They are blasters. Speaking of which, did you notice like, okay, so here's the deal with like Star Wars and the way it works um, is that you never see earth animals in Star Wars, right? Elephants become banthas. <gasps> what? Oh, well, of yeah, course, yeah. of course. Camels become EOPs. Puffins become porgs. Yeah. That's just the way it works. An Ewok adventure has, like, it's just a, a zoo. There's chickens, donkeys, yeah. horses, llamas, ferrets, one of the Ewoks has an owl for some reason. Like there's a goat <laughs> that, that chews through like a rope. Like what is going on, Devin? I lost my mind over that. The moment the first llama showed up, I'll like, I'm literally looking at my notes that I typed to myself. And I literally was just like, I love that there are just dot, dot, dot llamas, question mark, question mark. And I love that one of the very final shots is the mom like in the Ewok village. And she's just sitting there petting a ferret, <laughs> oh, yeah. just like a normal ferret. <laughs> And I was like, what the hell? Especially because, you know, that's one of the things that's so, you know, key to Star Wars DNA is like specifically weird creatures and, you know, otherworldly feelings. And, you know, um, you don't just have rats, you have womp rats. You know, you there's all these different creatures and 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 things. And it's just like, ah, no, here's here's a llama. Like, I just have so many questions. Do like the 
do the Ewoks eat meat? Do they keep the llamas mm. for fur? Do they like, I, I don't know. I'm just like, why do they have ferrets? What, why would anyone have a ferret? Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think we see any like animals like other than Ewoks on Endor, right? Like they didn't have pets yet. So like if they didn't have to be there in the movie, again, is no one want, like looking at this script and being like, no, yeah, we don't do chickens on Star Wars, you know? I don't think continuity was a huge deal in 1984 because it was like, we know that George has had a chaotic approach to continuity in the past. He's like, sure, I'm going to make these two people twins, even though they kiss. Sure, he's going to be their dad, whatever. I don't care. So I kind of feel like this was probably in the period where George was like, yeah, whatever. But it what what's so weird about that, Lauren, is he was so, it seems like emotionally devastated by the Star Wars holiday special. And just, it's like, it's like this can never be <laughs> happen again. I'm taking more control over this. I'm writing the story. I'm getting my buddy here is going to like direct it. Like you th- would have thought like once bitten, twice shy that he would have like, and you also thought considering they made this for like $13. Save on the animal budget. You don't need the wranglers. You don't need the animals. <laughs> you know, somebody had a had had a knew a guy who knew a guy who had a petting zoo, and yeah, they said, "Hey, like, we we got a job for you. We need a bunch of ferrets." <laughs> I'll give I'll give you just give me like fifty bucks and I'll get you some ferrets, something like that. You know? <laughs> do, you, <laughs> do, you, do you think they were just like get us some animals? And they were like, "Well, what do you want?" They were like, "I don't know, just surprise <laughs> me." Yeah, just get whatever. It was like the night before. They're like, I, I need some animals. Like, you know, someone made a call and this is what they got. They got a and they're lot. they're like, I, kn- I know a guy. Like, is it I possible that the director of this had like not seen Return of the Jedi? Like, I mean, I assume he did some homework, but maybe not. I feel like, well, also, you know, at the time it wasn't like, you know, you could just like pull out the DVD and like rewatch it on repeat. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like he maybe saw it once and then he was like, okay, great. I got the gist. We got talking teddy bears in the forest. Sure. And I really think since this was aimed, I mean, and this was really aimed, I think, mostly towards children. I mean, remembering the rest of the fine quality kids programming I got in the 80s, no one gave, then no one spent any money on kids programming in the 80s. It was all just like crappy animation and like this kind of stuff. So I'm like, when I was watching this, I was like, yeah, this is basically what children's programs in the 80s kind of looked like. So I think that's, they just thought, we're going to make some quick money and stick this on ABC on the seem like Thanksgiving weekend. And um, that's about it. You know? Yeah. I think overall this whole thing has much more of a um, fantasy vibe and less of a Mm -hmm. sci-fi vibe. That was something that I I really got. I mean, people compared it a lot to, you know, sort of like the labyrinth era, you know, eighties, like dark crystal uh, fantasy programming. That's a, you're right, Devin. But like, what can we talk about that? I mean, the, the Ewoks are using magic. Then why when make did the Star Ewoks Wars? have magical powers? The Ewok. I want to. I want to stress this in case you didn't hear that. The Ewoks have magical powers. <laughs> I I do yeah. really wish I knew what George, uh, Jim Henson uh, thought about this. When he, I'm assuming that Jim Henson must have seen it and probably was like, "What the hell is this?" Like, because I mean, it's like the quality of the Muppet stuff was pretty high. That was like the only children's program that yeah. was really well done and had a quality behind it. And like this was like. He was probably looking at this being like, Jesus Christ, like, what the hell is this? Come on, George. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's like, there's, uh, there's animals magically turning, or crystals turning into animals, turning into other animals. There's like a magic mm-hmm. spinning top that somehow is like, like a crystal, magic crystal ball. There's like a magic walking basically stick. Basically Tinkerbell. Yeah, yeah, basically mm-hmm. Tinkerbell, like oh, a yeah. million Tinkerbells. And then at, at, 
one point, I guess the whole force moon is magical. I, I don't know, like some guy, like that idiot mace touches the water and then he just disappears. And then he magically reappears under the water and there's like a, 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 a an invisible barrier on top of the water until it's touched by the magic stick. It's just, uh, you know, this would have been some information that the Ewoks should have relayed to C-3PO at some point. That, they, hey, by the way, we have, ma- we're fighting the Empire. BT dubs, we have magic. Like, we can use magic against these ATSTs and these stormtroopers. No problemo. The sticks and stones, we don't need those. We're going to cast a spell. Yeah, I just, I have so many questions. So many questions about the logic and the the magic. It's like, are, are Ewoks force sensitive? But this doesn't really look like <laughs> the force. Yes. Like, are it, are there any Ewok Jedi? Like, what's yeah. what's the, just, just like one of them like show up on Coruscant one time and he's like, hey, I'm here to train to become a Padawan. He's like, oh yeah, and I can do magic. And all the Jedi are like, what? <laughs> I just I have so many questions. I also love that the the trailer, you know, that you you played for us earlier um has probably like the last shot in the movie. It just full up spoils the, you know, what happens. Um, you know, the the Gorbax or whatever the heck it's called. Gorax, um, the yeah. Gorax, excuse yeah. me. Excuse me. I need to make sure I get it right. Um like gets hit in the back with an axe and that's just fully in the trailer. Yeah, he's like a half orc, half wookie. And I I'll say this. I'll I'll say this. All right. So this was made ABC, like movie of the week. Clearly it's not going to be the same budget as like a, you know, a a theatrical offering. You Mm -hmm. can't like sort of grade it on that scale. Um, So I'm going to say something nice before I say something not nice. I thought the Gorax looked pretty good. It's like a half orc, half Wookiee looking beast. And then they do a bunch of like scaling stuff to make it seem giant. Well, you know, so much bigger. And I think that actually... Looked pretty good. And you had Phil Tippett working on this, Dennis Murin. Like you had all the the heavyweights of uh, Industrial Light and Magic working on this this movie. But it's also clear that they just did not have the same time or money. And there are certain things about it. Like a bunch of, Lauren sort of alluded to this earlier. A bunch of the, well, none of the Ewoks, like the mouths don't open when they talk. The eyes never blink. It's super creepy. Then there's yeah. one like spider attack scene. Again, spiders on Endor, didn't know. But there's like a really like slowly descending spider where you can see the wires as clear as day. And it literally <laughs> looks like it was like uh, a middle school production of James and the Giant Peach. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's really, even judging 1985 TV, it's not that great. Yeah, it looks a little like 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 sixties Doctor Who sometimes had had a little bit better special effects in some yeah, cases. Yeah, and that's the, saying a lot. Vis- the visible plungers in Doctor Who, I remember that be like that's just a plunger, but you know, it's <laughs> hey. just a plunger. But yeah. that's the thing about you know a lot of Star Wars is you know a, a lot of like the lightsabers are just made out of like old camera parts and you know, but you you it's all about the transformation. Yeah, it doesn't look like they had much time to do transformation here. It, it yeah. kind of felt like the uh, ILM might have been working on this in the three moments they had from some big budget thing. It's like, oh, I'm going to work on this for a little bit. Like, I wish they could have at least put like some weird hats on the llamas or something just to make them look like not llamas. <laughs> I, did notice, llamas. I did notice with the horse, they tried to cover the horse with like a lot of like draping. So you couldn't really <laughs> kind of tell it was a horse, but you're like, that's a horse. So, That's a horse. you know. 
Mm-hmm. That's pretty much a horse. We we mentioned we were going to be talking this this week, and our producer Sammy Junio, the one that disinvited me uh, on last week's episode, was like, "Oh yeah, I think I'll watch the movie tonight." And all of a sudden, Laura and I were like, "No, no, 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 no don't watch the movie. You don't want to. You, like, you don't want to do that." I was like, "If it would it would behoove you to drink if you're going to do it." I was kind of like half watching it and halfway playing Animal Crossing, so I was kind of doing both at once. Oh. Again, I wanted it to be so bad it's good, but it's mm-hmm. just boring bad i feel like it would be fun like maybe if all of us got together and we're in the same room together and could watch it but just like me sitting alone on my couch i was just very i have to say my husband was giving me a lot of commentary on it uh and my daughter would kind of wander in and just kind of like look at it quizzically and then kind of wander away (laughs) you know it was interesting to watch it with an actual seven-year-old so you would kind of see like you know obviously the ewoks were working on her Whereas, you know, I could kind of be like, what the heck happened to that Ewok face? And she just like, you know, she has that that childhood gloss that you get when you're looking. Things look much better when you're a child. So it was kind of interesting to watch, you know, both her reaction and my husband's reaction while we were watching it. So that was kind of interesting. And poor Fanola Flanagan, you know, really just... Poor Mr. Tussle. She Fanola Flanagan is such a great actor, and I feel <laughs> yeah. sad for her being in this. <laughs> well, you just see, like you know, that's like you know, your job an actor, and uh, you just uh, these are the kind of things that you put your put your uh, your career is made up of when you until you get to bigger parts where you get you know top billing, where you're petting a ferret surrounded by people in teddy bear mm-hmm. costumes. Yes, and I, like, you know, much. I feel I haven't said anything about it because like. I feel bad, you know, like criticizing child actors. But this guy playing Mace, Eric Walker, <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's it's I mean, kind guys. of like Luke. If Luke was just, um, I want to go to Tashi Station to pick up some power oh, converters, and that was yeah. the whole movie. <laughs> And I was like, mm-hmm. F you, I'm going. Like, just, uh, all right, settle down. I will say Aubrey Miller looks like they were like, get me a Drew Barrymore. And then this was the, you know, she did very yeah. come up with the Drew Barrymore uh, mold of the time. They were just like, give us the most like angelic little cherub of like yeah. a little blonde baby with just like a perfect halo of curls just to so she can like stare at the camera and, and just say things like, no, Mace, don't. And then we're going to put a disco headband on her. I do remember people dressing up as her on various Halloweens, though. So I think she did make an impression in my in the Gen X uh, uh, era of uh, like late Gen hold, X. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Stop everything. Mm-hmm. You're saying that in the mid '80s, people were like, not ironically, kids were dressing up like Sindel from an Ewok adventure. I'm pretty sure I saw that. I mean, I dressed up as Punky Brewster two years in a row. So, like, you know, the barrier was kind of pretty low. <laughs> but so. Punky Brewster, no, Punky Brewster was like, everyone knew who Punky Brewster was. Like, if you yeah. show up as Punky Brewster, like, oh, there's Punky Everybody Brewster. Everybody knew who this person was. No one knew my... who Sindel was. No, people did. <laughs> people I knew knew who this was. I think it's just you were too old for this. No, I But, like, was. in the, you know, the six to eight-year-old range, we knew who she was. It was big time. That was big time. Mm-hmm. Everybody on the right uh, side of the Ewok line knew who she was. Um, I have some bad news for both of you. We're only halfway done. We have a whole other Ewok movie to discuss no! next week. <laughs> yes. This is just the appetizer, ladies. We got oh. Ewoks, The Battle for Endor, the sequel, which we'll talk about next week. I, I started watching it the other day, but then we got interrupted. It does, I will just tease that it does look like they upped the budget for this one because the opening scene looked a lot like uh, or they got a better cinematographer. It actually looked a lot 
better shot than this one did. I can't believe you went straight into it, man. I need like a week off. Like I was like, I'm putting away yeah. the remote. Like it I was my take- husband because he like we watched it. Like it was like like I think we watched it Friday or Saturday night, and he just went into it and started watching it. Like he just like literally put it on. Like I thought we were gonna watch something else, and he started watching it, and then. I think my daughter uh, made some noises that she wanted to watch like Teen Titans Go or something like that. Yeah, so. well, smart kid, smart kid. Mm-hmm. Um, Don't pretty much. Uh, yeah. So yeah, we're, next week we'll be back talking about uh, Ewoks colon the battle for Endor. And uh, I guess what we should do now is is hear from one of the stars of Caravan of Courage. Devin spoke with Warwick Davis. How great would it be if you went to speak with him in the cast of Willow and you just only asked them <laughs> Caravan of Courage questions? Be like, so guys, I have some questions. Uh, specifically, I want to know about the ferrets on Endor. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I can't get over the ferrets. The ferrets I are my favorite part. I can't either. It would be amazing. Uh, anyway, Devin did speak with Warwick as well as uh, fellow uh, cast members from Willow, Ruby Cruz, Aaron Kellyman of solo Star Wars fame, uh, Ellie Bamber, Joanne Wally, as well as executive producer Jonathan Kasdan. Uh, it's for the new Willow show from Lucasfilm coming to Disney Plus, and that interview is coming up for you right after this quick break. Thank you guys so much for joining me. I'm so excited to talk to you guys about all things Willow. Um, and John, I'd love to start with you. I know you talked on stage at Star Wars Celebration about how this has been a story that you've loved for your entire life. What was it that excited you most about telling this new chapter in the story? Yeah, well, I mean, I thought that of all of George Lucas's creations, this one most lends itself to a sequel because Warwick is saddled with this little baby the whole movie. I just wanted to know what happened to that baby and what was going to become of the world in which she grew up, you know, and what was Sorsha's relationship he was going to be to her and were Val and, you know, Man Marty and Sorsha, how is that relationship going to work out? I don't know. I still don't know, to be totally honest. <laughs> uh, I just thought everything about it lent itself to more stories in that world. And I was the first one to say, to raise my hand when the possibility came up. Absolutely. And and Warwick, what was it that excited you the most about returning to this world? Well, I'm an actor, so work. I was very fond of playing the character like all those years ago. So, uh, yeah, to come back and revisit that character. Now, you know, I'd matured as an actor was uh, a real privilege and a lot of fun because mm. I'd enjoyed the experience the first time around so much. So he had to come back and uh, explore that all over again was uh, really great. And I knew now, you know, how many fans there are out there for Willow. So mm. to be on set doing this and knowing that there's an audience ready for it, it makes it more gratifying. I mean, what's it been like for you? You know, this is a film that so many people love. You know, John grew up on it. What's it been like for you to have a whole new generation of people who really love this story? You know what, making the series, that uh, really puts the pressure on because you've got a huge responsibility to make it the very best it can be for those people who have supported it and are passionate about it. You don't want to let them down because they'll soon tell you. (laughs) So that kept us on our game the whole time last year. Absolutely. And uh, Joanne, you talked on stage about how you'd heard rumors that this was going to maybe happen, but you never really thought it was going to happen. What was your reaction when it really started to become real? Well, you know, I was a little bit apprehensive because you think, you know, as much as I like working, 
as well. <laughs> Why, um, you know, you don't want to spoil a good thing. You know, you don't want to, it would be, I, I was afraid to read the storylines and the script and I was a bit afraid of talking when they, when it got serious, you know, about it because I thought, what if I, what if it sounds rubbish or what if it's rubbish? <laughs> Just because, because it was. Not a, that too. <laughs> I think it every day. I went in the bathroom 20 minutes ago and said, what if this thing is rubbish? <laughs> Too, no, but it's not. Out. I'll tell you, it's not. It's, it's not. Really it's not, not rubbish. No, it's not. It's not. And, and what I think is really well done about it, particularly, is that it manages to transition from all the qualities and the what was happening with the with the film and bring it forward and and mm. bring everything along with it into a new time, a new place. But you don't feel like there's a big jump cut or anything. It feels very organic. And I think having, you know, characters who were around in the, in the, in the film, you know, reading so what happens with Sosha. I mean, Sosha has a tougher life than I hoped she, she, uh, would have had, you know, when we first meet her, she's dealing with some things and it's not easy being queer. <laughs> <Let me tell Yeah. laughs> um, but, you know, it's all very, it's, there's, and I think the other important thing that they managed to keep, which is why, the fans like it and why you know we had so much fun with it it's just, it has this great lightness of touch that's very hard to duplicate you can't and that's why john is such a but it's a, a testament writer. to our cast truly and like you know when we were figuring out who could hold the screen with warwick and with joanne it was like they needed to be fun they needed to be funny <laughs> they needed to be sexy but most of all, they needed to be able to like banter back and forth with them. And I think, you know, they, they get at <laughs> yeah. least a C plus grade on all those scores. I, right? go more than that. I mean, more. Warwick, how would you grade Ellie, Aaron, and Ruby? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, right. Yeah, all right. right. Yeah, pretty good. They're pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> no, I mean, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, they maybe, maybe season two, they'll be like, yeah, like they're yeah, on their they, way. They've got somewhere to go. Like a strong yeah. B. There's always changed growth. A strong, a strong B. B. A strong B. Oh, I thought you meant wow. Bumblebee. <laughs> I was like, bro, learning a lot. Be great. Jesus Christ. I mean, it's She's pretty challenging for an actress to come into something that's been established like this, isn't yes. it? Yes. And, uh, yeah. you know, quite daunting working opposite, uh, I don't want to say old professionals like myself. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, just coming into this whole world and kind of understanding the, uh, the kind of level of everything and uh, how big the performance needs to be in fantasy. Uh, that's a challenge for any actor, I think, working alongside visual effects that aren't there, don't exist. Yeah. You know, for myself and Joanne, we were familiar with that kind of performance, but for the uh, for the newbies here, it wasn't the case. We earned that C minus. We learned so much from you. Oh, thank you, yeah. thank you. Really, and with comedy as well. Like, mm -hmm. true. It's true. Genius. One of the things we tried to do, you know, it's worth mentioning, and we haven't really talked about this before. Is like another reason why making the show was so irresistible is because I had seen Warwick do Life's Too Short, and you could see how funny he could be improvisationally and just being himself and embracing sort of like the challenges and the comedy of his day to day life. I thought it was just irresistible, and I thought we could we could do that with 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 Willow, and give a little of that feel to the series, and I, I think we did. 
John, you were very gracious as a writer to let us do that from time to time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it wasn't, wasn't all about what was on the page. Mm-hmm. No, John was more than happy for us to kind of go off piste a bit and to have some fun with the scenes. Which yeah, really no, I was always encouraging these these guys to improvise. The boys, Tony, Revolori, Ummer, Chada Patel, they would improvise a little too much. Sometimes we'd have to reel them in. But these guys could just I'd say, like, say whatever you want. <laughs> and sometimes they'd say a line and it'd be like totally different than what I'd written and I'd be like oh, I don't care I'm barely paying attention <laughs> yeah I mean I'd love to hear from all the new cast members you know we got to hear a little bit about some of your new characters today um, and we got to see the teaser um, and I'd love to hear from each of you Ruby I, I know you play Kit what can you tell me about her let's see what can I say I'm I'm Sorsha and Mad Mardigan's daughter so I'm one of two twins uh, my brother's name is Eric and I am a princess, a princess of Galador, and this is my queen mom. And she, I mean, I, I'm sort of a rebel princess of sorts where I, I sort of reject Night. my role Night. On, in the, in the, in the <laughs> castle. And um, I, I think the journey for Kit is basically her sort of learning who she is and learning to love that person and getting to know that person. And um, yeah, I think that's, that's great. That, uh, And Erin, I know you play Jade. What was that excited you the most about her, and and what can you tell us about her? Um, So, Jade also grew up in the castle. Um, Saoirse and Kit are kind of like our only family. She's kind of the opposite to Kit, whereas Kit is quite defiant and doesn't really want to be a princess. Jade is like, I love rules. Let me stick to all the rules. Um, And so, you see her go on this journey, and she's she's trying to become a knight of Galadorn. so yeah, you'll see, you'll see her do that. And you're obviously no stranger to Lucasfilm, you know, having been in Solo. What was the biggest difference about doing something like that versus diving into Willow? I feel like there's like a lot of similarities. Yeah, this guy was writer. this guy was there. This guy was there. <laughs> the role of Jade, <laughs> the role of Jade was written for Aaron. Mm. No one else had a player. She was the only actor. Ellie, you play Dove. Uh, What can you tell me about her and and what excites you the most about playing her? Yes. um, So Dove has also lived in the castle of her life and she is a kitchen maid and she is in love with Kit's brother. Um, And she kind of, (laughs) (laughs) she embarks on this adventure with all of the characters in the show. Um, And you see her really come into her own and um, yeah, become a, a woman. Yeah, so Dove is really feel. the loner of the group. Yeah, I'm a real, real. She man. was not invited. Yeah, I'm not invited. <laughs> yeah, but I persist, and she's, she's yeah. super strong. Yeah, she, she is persistent. persistent. That is very That's true. Right. Yeah, and yeah. Kit doesn't really enjoy that. Yeah. They're both stubborn in their own way. They're both yeah. very stubborn. Man. <laughs> I'd say yeah. so. And to have to go on this adventure with each other, it's the last thing either one of them want to do. <laughs> <laughs> they just couldn't stand each other more, and. Poor Willow has to like make the peace between them the entire show. It's no easy job. Doesn't sound like it. And I know you guys talked on stage about kind of getting to brush up on your sword fighting skills. Is that right? Brush up. (laughs) (laughs) What skills are you most proud of learning for the show? (laughs) The sword fight, I think, for sure. Well, the horse fighting was really fun. And everything in the trailer that you see of these two fighting, it's really there. Yeah. Most of it. I mean, they're like, amazing. Yeah. The we did, you know, because we were moving at so such a pace and shooting so fast, 
we didn't have time to send a unit back with stunt doubles. <laughs> Aaron and Ruby had to do their sword fighting. And Ellie had to just like sort of look on, like, what's happening? <laughs> I hope somebody saves me. Yeah. And I'd occasionally rustle up a stew. Yeah, yeah. Um, knock up a stew. Which is also really uh, exciting for me because, you know, yeah, I, I love to cook. So yeah. <laughs> I was just right. eating everything on the set. And so, <laughs> And we made sure she did the craft service every day, <laughs> yes. too, and provided snacks. Peanut and, butter and jelly sandwiches yeah. for yeah. everyone. For everyone. Mm-hmm. Warwick, I know you talked on stage about how this is, um, you know, kind of a family affair. Uh, your daughter and your son also worked on this. What was it like to have them on set, too? That's great. Um, Annabelle's inherited um, acting abilities. Um, she's really good as well. And uh, it was lovely to have scenes to play with Annabelle. Because John had seen her in a TV show. and. Uh, so let's have Annabelle in to play uh, Mims, yeah. who had established that character in the film. It's, uh, but yeah, Annabelle was, got to play Mims, and uh, so enjoyed the scenes with her. Obviously, being um, cast number one, they don't want to damage me. So they said, who do you use as a double? And I said, well, actually, my uh, 18-year-old son is exactly <laughs> the same height as I am, same build, walks the same as I do. So he's a perfect <laughs> double and took all my knocks for me. Stood in for me, <laughs> and he was great. And one of the, my favorite quotes of Harrison's was when he was sitting on set, I'd walk on, he'd go, Oh, great, there goes the limelight. <laughs> he was Harrison enjoying was the, the attention when that wasn't there. He's the best. Harrison was Harrison's lovely, great. And yes, yeah. and, it was and it was like having two willows around at all times. <laughs> yeah. So the one we could throw around, and the one we had to, you know, provide like you know, the palm, palm leaf to fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there was the, those two. But the, one, a little spoiler about the show that I haven't actually said to anyone is that oh. Mims, Mims, played by Annabelle, is great. She's one of our best characters. And Annabelle is a brilliant actress. We're so excited about what she brings to the show and to the series. And between them, the, the relationship between Willow and Mims mirrors the real relationship between Warwick and Annabelle in a way that's incredibly moving and you get a little taste of it in that teaser. So to throw this out to any of you guys, when you think back to filming, what was one of your most memorable days on set or like the day that really sticks out to you? There were so many days. God, there's, yeah, there's a lot of rain. There's a lot of rain. That was one of the first things that came to mind. It just never rained in wild, which is weird, because I feel like it should do. So we had rain rain machines. But it was cold as hell. The rain was cold and it burned our skin. So these guys were in, like, they were in, like, were you you guys wearing wetsuits? Were you all wearing wetsuits underneath your... Oh, like three layers of like latex and yeah, it wasn't yeah. wet suits. It was like, like tubes, <laughs> sausage yeah. our bodies into them. Yeah. If we do another series, I'm removing the R, the A, the I, and the N from his keyboard. Yeah, I know. It's like I'm like season two. Maybe we should have some snow. Oh my god! Just they just wanted to be on a beach in, in the Maldives. The Maldives for season two, and I said, okay, we can make that work. Yeah, it'd be really nice. Yeah, yeah that would be perfect. Season two, they go through a little portal into a mall. In LA, <laughs> we run a bar. We run a bar. In New yeah, York. we're gonna have a bar. Yeah, ruin it. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, thank you guys again so much for joining me. This has been a blast. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, our thanks to Willow cast members Ruby Cruz, Aaron Kellerman, Ellie Bamber, Joanne Wally, and Warwick Davis, as well as executive producer Jonathan Kasdan for joining us this week. And thank you. 
for listening to us ramble on about magical Ewoks for way too long. If you enjoyed said rambling, please tell your friends about the podcast. Also, we'd love it if you could follow the podcast and rate the podcast and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you do leave us a review, we'll give you a shout out right here on the pod. Also, hit us up on social media. You can follow Entertainment Weekly on all socials, at EW on Twitter and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag and follow us at Dalton Ross, at Devin Kogan, and at Morglore. Thanks so much, everyone. See you next week. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch is hosted by Dalton Ross, Devin Kogan, and Lauren Morgan. Produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio. Edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>